Kyle, you and I are from Long Island. Have you ever heard anyone genuinely pronounce it Long Island? Well, listen, I do pronounce it that way. (laughs) Do you? I say Long Island. I've never heard you say Long Island. We never need to talk about it. (laughs) We're there, baby. (laughs) How do you normally pronounce it? How do you normally pronounce it? Oh, wow. Yeah, you don't do a hard G. I mean, I I feel like I've never heard anyone do a hard G. I got a lot of flack in college because I say hanger and (gasps) uh, anger. And my my friends were like, why do you say it that way? (laughs) Yeah, but like they're like, you're you're landing on the G. Hanger and anger rhyme. No. Anger. What do you mean no? And hanger. (laughs) Hanger. No. Hanger and anger. <laughs> yeah. So I got a lot of flack for being a Long Islander wow. when I went to Virginia, Virginia. This is a whole new world to me, Kyle. I felt like that was an incorrect stigma about Long Islanders, but I guess it's real. In fact, it is real and I am the embodiment of it. <laughs> now go get me a bacon, egg and cheese <laughs> a and some coffee. Oh, boy. Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Every week on Butter No Parsnips, your hosts Emily Moyers and Kyle Imperator take you on an adventure through the weird, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. Hey! How diddly the normal Long Island greeting, everyone. <sighs> yeah, that's Welcome right. <laughs> to Butter No Parsnips. I'm Kyle Imperator. And I'm Emily Moyers. And Emily has in store for me today, I can only assume something that's going to make me feel even more self-conscious about being a Long Islander. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're going to find out. It might. <laughs> well, listen, it's I deserve it. You know, lay it on me. <laughs> All right, let me lay it on you, Kyle. Kyle, your word today is shibboleth s-h-i-b-b-o-l-e-t-h shibboleth i've definitely heard this word before i feel like you've definitely seen this word before and i will eventually explain why i mean like my gut reaction here is that's like some sort of cthulhu being right (laughs) (laughs) uh no it is not it is a noun if that helps it is a noun it is a noun can I ask for the language of origin? You can ask, and the answer is, is Hebrew. It, it, I was going to say Hebrew. I can also give you a clue if you would like. Oh, yes, clue. Clue me in. The one word clue I have here is local. Oh, wow, I'm at a loss. This is, a, is this a type of place? It is not, but it could be related to a place. Is it more abstract? Is it like a state of existence <laughs> no but it is sort of a it's not like a physical thing it is a a, a concept it's a concept it's a concept. or so not a co- it's 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 something incorporeal so something is a shibboleth not yes. is shibboleth no something is a shibboleth all right um you got it kyle see. just Hebrew, wild stab in the local, dark uh is a shibboleth an, an idea that brings you wild success <laughs> a shibboleth how does that relate to local oh i you know like a local business i don't know 
<laughs> it's a fine guess, Kyle. It's wrong. <laughs> yeah, fair. A shibboleth is a pronunciation or custom that is regarded as distinguishing members of a group from non-members, especially when used as a test. Oh, I forgot to key in the question at the beginning for help. Yes. So Long Island could be regarded as a shibboleth for Long Islanders. Oh, Emily, this is so cool. (laughs) It is very cool. Like pop. Sure. Pop could be another soda or pop or fizzy whatever. I've got another Long Island. Sorry. I've got another Long Island shibboleth. (laughs) See, you say Long Island. (laughs) Uh, Hero. Hero. Yeah. Versus hoagie versus grinder, which is the worst word for that. (laughs) Or sub. (laughs) Or sub. So Kyle, shibboleth, as I said, it comes from Hebrew. It literally translates to, it could have meant a couple different things. I don't know if it's like scholars have debated whether it means these different things or just that it meant both of these things. It could have meant an ear of wheat or rye or a flood or stream which are two very different things. Even a flood and a stream are pretty different <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah. However, similar to another loan word we discussed recently, bahuvrihi, shibboleth means what it means in English, not because of its literal translation, but because it is an example of what it is referring to. Okay. Let me explain what I mean. This example comes to us courtesy of the best-selling book of all time, at least according to the Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, Kyle, do you know what that book might be? Uh, Cat in the Hat. No. I'm pretty sure it's Cat in the Hat, Emily. (laughs) (laughs) All right, don't mansplain my own notes to me. (laughs) It it is the Bible, Kyle. Oh, the Bible. Well, Jesus was a cat in a hat, but it was a crown of thorns was his hat. This is uh, is a crazy (laughs) rhyme you're spinning. (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of Susian, you know. <laughs> uh, but we're, we're actually talking about the Hebrew Bible specifically. Oh, the Torah? Which is the Torah, which is the Hebrew for instructions. The oh. Nevi'im, which means prophets, and the Ketuvim, which means writings. Oh, I didn't know that there were separate parts of that. I never read that one. Yeah, well, you should have known that because Seth did tell us all of that mm-hmm, in our mm-hmm. anagrams episode, but it's fine. Uh, you know, everything that guy says in one ear out the other. <laughs> yeah, he's weeping as he listens to this now, but it's not a big deal. <laughs> Good. Yeah. The passage that I'm going to quote for us is from the Nevi'im, more specifically from Sefer Shoftim, or the Book of Judges. And more specifically than that, from Judges chapter 12. The first lines of Judges chapter 12 describe a battle between the people of Gilead and the invading tribe of Ephraim. The Gileadites defeated the Ephraimites, but some of the surviving Ephraimites tried to flee across the river Jordan, trying to pass themselves off as, you know, just like, just regular locals (laughs) out for a walk. (laughs) Definitely not this army that you just (laughs) defeated. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. what do you mean we're trying to ford a river? Yeah, it's just what we normally do. I'm from around here. I'm just taking a little walk. I was actually born in this river. Can you believe it? Uh, How times have changed. Ignore the bloody armor and the (laughs) missing arm. (laughs) 
But here's the thing, Kyle. The Ephraimites spoke a slightly different dialect of Hebrew than the Gileadites. Oh, I'm seeing where you're going with this, Emily. They pronounced the SH sound as just an S sound. Sibboleth. Yes. So that is the context that you need for Judges 12, 5 through 6. And the Gileadites took the passages of Jordan before the Ephraimites. And it was so that when those Ephraimites, which were escaped, said, let me go over, that the men of Gilead said unto him, art thou an Ephraimite? If he said nay, then said they unto him, Say now Shibboleth. And he said Sibboleth, for he could not frame to pronounce it right. And then they took him and slew him at the passages of Jordan. And there fell at that time of the Ephraimites 40 and 2,000. Emily, you're telling me that the Bible's just got a whole Monty Python segment in it? (laughs) Uh, You guys kind of look like Ephraimites. No, we're not. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Say shibboleth. What? <laughs> say shibboleth. Oh, yes. Shibboleth. We are the knights who say shibboleth. Shibboleth. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's truly comical. It's like a, a vaudeville. Yeah, right up until the part where they slew him at the passages of Jordan. <laughs> well, you didn't see that one Three Stooges episode. <laughs> <laughs> where the river ran red with yeah. blood. <laughs> There's a reason why Curly stopped showing up in those. Oh, no. <laughs> so there are several instances throughout history of people having similar tests using a word or phrase to distinguish locals oh. from foreigners, and these became known as shibboleths. A particularly fun one that I found was a shibboleth used by a Frisian pirate. Pierre Uh. Gerloff's Donia was a 16th century pirate and rebel leader in the Friesland region of the Netherlands. And he led a rebellion of Frisian peasants and mercenaries fighting against Dutch authorities. I've like never, ever once like (laughs) put pirates and the Netherlands together. Like it's just a new combination of my brain. And I'm (laughs) are they sea pirates or they land pirates? Well, they were sea pirates, but also just rebels on land, you know? They were like Star Wars pirates. Just all around scalawags, you know? Scalawags, love it. (laughs) But, you know, fighting for, I guess, the independence of their region of the Netherlands, Friesland. And according to legend, when Donia was at sea, any ship he came across, he would ask the crew to repeat a certain phrase in the Frisian language. And if they couldn't pronounce the whole phrase correctly, Donia would plunder the ship and or kill members of the crew. Oh, wow. (laughs) And the phrase, and pay attention, Kyle, because I'm now going to ask you to repeat it or I'm going to slay you at the passages of Jordan. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Ready? Here we go. Uh-huh. And actually, this is fun because Frisian is supposed to be the language that sounds closest to English. Oh, okay. The phrase is, Butter brea angrina cheese, vot dot nat sezekin is gen opriofta fries. I got butter brea angreanin cheese is about as far as I got. That's close. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but that translates to butter, bread, and green cheese. Whoever can't say that is no true freeze. <laughs> oh my god. I love that so much. And it's adorable. I, I think 
I think I'm in love with that language. It's it is fun so language. close to English. It is, yes. And it's because like old Frisian and old English were like super close. So they just sort of developed in parallel to each other. Can you say that again in Frisian? Butter, brea, and green cheese. What dat net sezikin is gen opriofta fries. I think is how you say it. I learned yeah. this very hastily. I, I mean, am not a true phrase. <laughs> it's so much better than I could do. I love that. So shibboleth in that metaphorical definition to refer to any sort of test word or test phrase, that usage in English goes back to around the mid 1600s. But another usage evolved out of that, which is just using shibboleth to mean like an old saying or a widely held belief. Oh. Yeah. And a slightly interesting side note about that. I found that definition listed on several dictionary sites, but not in the Oxford English Dictionary site, which is rare because usually the OED is the most thorough in its yeah. definitions. I feel like I've come across that before in, in some of my words. Uh, they're, they are the most thorough, but they're very Anglo-centric. Sure. So they do miss things every now and then. And so like, I, I imagine they might miss English, like American English stuff, but they're also going to miss like Frisian English stuff <laughs> and Hebrew English stuff, you know? Sure. But yeah, according to Merriam-Webster and Wiktionary, shibboleth can also refer to a longstanding belief associated with a particular group and usually regarded by others as empty of real meaning. An example oh, quote yeah, that please. I found was the conservative shibboleth that the only good government is a small government. Oh, weird. Like, it's just like a slogan, but to, right. to the actual group that uses there is it, 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 there is meaning. Shibboleth can also mean a widely held belief, particularly a false belief. For example, my belief that Long Islanders don't say <laughs> Long Island or other people's belief that Long Islanders do say Long Island. Uh, wow. It could be a shibboleth. Yeah, absolutely. A shibboleth can also mean a truism or platitude. Are you familiar with those words, Kyle? A platitude, I always thought was like a nicety, like just a nice say thing that you might say to someone. Yeah, it's sort of like an empty statement, you know, ah, um, yeah. or or empty can be sure. like a statement that sounds wise, but isn't really saying anything. Things like it is what it is, or nobody's perfect that are just like stuff you say. Say la vie. Wikipedia describes platitudes as thought terminating cliches. <laughs> just like just like we were having a talk and then you said that and there's just no follow-up to it so i guess we're done now <laughs> there's no follow-up or maybe used to terminate thoughts yeah just like once you've said it is what it is it's, like it's, we can't move forward now yeah yeah it's done wow so a shibboleth can also be used to refer to things like that I also came across something called a furtive shibboleth, oh. which is a word or phrase or collection of words which sound completely innocuous to most people, but have a hidden meaning to those in the know. Oh, furtive like secret. Yeah. So in this sense, it is a shibboleth that distinguishes members of a certain group, not based on pronouncing the phrase, but based on recognizing its meaning. Oh, like uh, all those 
secret terms and the series of unfortunate events. Sure. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, had yeah. The acronym. The VFD, yeah. The VFD, Another yeah. real-world example of a furtive shibboleth would be when an American sailor in World War II referred to himself as a friend of Dorothy. Do you know what that means? Uh, I, why do I want to say? Why do I want to say that? I, I know I don't know what that means. It was a way for homosexual servicemen to identify one another. Was gonna say that. I was gonna say that. I knew I could hear it. I was like, Kyle's too scared to say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't want to be casting aspersions. No, but it was. It was a way for homosexual servicemen in the Navy to identify one another without revealing themselves publicly. And it is a reference to Dorothy Gale of The Wizard of Oz. I was gonna say that too. Yeah. And fun fact about that, it was so widely used that by the 1980s, the Navy had figured out that friends of Dorothy were homosexuals, but then they went searching for this mysterious Dorothy woman, hoping that she could identify other gays in the Navy. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) They were like, how do we get this Dorothy in a room? She could she could squeal. You know, the lengths that the government will go to to prove something that doesn't exist. Truly. Last thing I'm going to talk about, Kyle, is that shibboleth also has a meaning in the world of IT. Uh, You couldn't see my face there, but I did that meme where the guy makes the face. Wow, really hard to describe because yeah, it's just yeah. such a vague meme. Because we are in an auditory format here. But everybody at home, you're going to imagine <laughs> whatever meme yeah, comes to mind, that's the face that I made. Everybody imagine the one where the guy makes the face. Yeah, imagine that one. <laughs> and that was me. Yeah, that was Kyle. Yeah, so this is this is the context where I think you have probably seen the word shibboleth. Unsurprisingly, a shibboleth is a type of password word because that's kind of what it has always been it is what's called a single sign-on system or an sso where individuals who are part of a trusted group can log in once to a sort of host server and then that server provides them access to several other servers oh are you insinuating that I've been a part of one of these Emily? well you definitely have because oh. Uh, give you a good ubiquitous example. You log into your college's library website, and your college gives you access to all of the databases that they subscribe to. So the structure that allows us to do all that is called a shibboleth? I think you could say that your individual password is a shibboleth that lets the college know like this person is part of our group. So we'll gotcha. vouch for their identity and tell Ebsco to let them in. Gotcha, <laughs> but gotcha, also gotcha. there is like a software company, I think, called shibboleth that like manages oh. those types of systems. But you can see it a lot in URLs when you go to like a login page. Sometimes the URL will have the word shibboleth sometimes it, somewhere in there. <laughs> That does sound really familiar, Emily. You're right. So like you'll see it go by if you're watching the the URLs go by when you're logging into somewhere. I do. I'm always trying to catch them doing something (laughs) illegal. Yeah, but it's it's a very useful thing because it means that like you don't have to create a login for and pay for all of the databases that 
you want to use. And it means that your college can provide controlled access because like you don't know the EBSCO login, you only know your college login. Right. Yeah, man, we need a shibboleth for all of our butter, no parsnips login. <laughs> we do. <laughs> um, because the other good thing, the sort of most important thing is that it also protects your information because like EBSCO doesn't ever see your identity. It just right. sees the college logging in. Wow. Oh, wow. So yeah. Hmm. Just a, a fun little IT thing there. But it's a place fun where you can IT thing. IT thing. But it's a place where you can see the word shibboleth out in your real life. If you're logging into something, check the URL. It might have the word shibboleth in it. Yeah, I mean, guys at home, what website should we tell them to go to to search for a shibboleth? Um, um, lexiconicon.com. <laughs> there you go. There you go, everybody. Wow, nice. Good, Emily. You know, you do have good improv skills. Thanks, man. Uh, <laughs> but now it is time to see if you have good improv skills, Kyle. No, and Kyle, I don't. Uh, can you use shibboleth in a sentence? Mm-hmm. I gave you a lot mm-hmm. of different meanings and contexts and metaphors, so you can use any one of them. You did, you did. There's so many options. Uh, run down them uh, by me one more time. <laughs> it can mean a test word. It can test mean word. a longstanding belief, a, yeah, uh, a belief, an old saying, a platitude, a furtive shibboleth. Wow, yeah, there are a lot. A here, password. Huh? Okay. I'll just recap the episode. Uh, so I knocked on the door of the speakeasy and... Uh, Slat opened up, revealing two eyes who <laughs> asked me for the shibboleth to enter. Sure, I'll take that. That works, yeah. I think. Nice. It's, it's a furtive shibboleth. Sure, or just a password shibboleth. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, or that one, or also. Uh, and then I got inside and I screamed the uh, shibboleth, <laughs> uh, which was. Jazz is cool. I'm trying to think of a 1920s. You're losing it. You're losing it. it. Get out of here. Bail out. Pull out. Good. The first one was a good sentence, Kyle. (laughs) Thank you, Emily. And uh, Emily, a shibboleth, what a great, great, great word. I mean, it really can be used in so many different ways, and it's got such a rich history to it that i had no idea about it's fun huh it's really cool i especially i i don't know if you could tell from earlier but i'm i'm really going to be thinking about dutch pirates a lot for the time me too man there's a reason (laughs) i picked the pirate example yeah (laughs) kyle before we round out for the day do you want to play a quick little game so bad (gasps) excellent The game I have for you is called Incognito, and how it's going to work is I'm going to give you a series of questions about various places in the U.S., and all of the answers are shibboleths, which might separate locals from outsiders of these places. Fantastic. Great. I thought I was a little worried at first that it was going to be you just searching through my search history on my computer. (laughs) No, no, no. What we're going to do here, Kyle, is figure out if you can pass yourself off as a local of these these places, you know? Fun, 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 fun. All right. You ready for the first one? Yes. Kyle, if you lived in San Francisco, California, how Mm -hmm. might you shorten that city's name? Uh... Oh, 
<laughs> I've got two that are coming to my mind, yeah. but I'm trying to think of what they would say in San Francisco. One of them uh, is what the locals prefer. Um, I guess is they prefer San Fran. Incorrect. Okay, can I guess the other one? Yeah, and just not get a point? Yeah. Frisco. No. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> no, uh, locals call it SF. Oh, so bad. Yeah, but if you go there and call it San Fran, you are labeling yourself a tourist. I mean, I do. I've, I'm a big fan of that city. It's a good city. Well, if you ever go, call it SF. <laughs> <sighs> this next one, Kyle, you might get. If you lived in the D.C. metro area, mm. what would you say the acronym DMV stood for? God, it's been so long since I've been there. <laughs> uh, it stands for... D.C., Maryland, Virginia. Uh, D.C. I'll, I'll Metro. No, 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 no. Am I getting it worse? Pull up. Pull up. Pull up. <laughs> no, you, you, you had it pretty much right the first time. It is the District, Maryland, and Virginia. Oh, the District. Oh. Yeah. But DC, just, the D in DC stands for district, so I'll, I'll give it to you. We've we've only ever said DMV down there. We've never said it out the out loud, all of it. So right, but you've said it to refer to the the area, not the Department yeah. of Motor Vehicles. No, 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 no. Yeah, the DC metro area. Yeah. All right. So that's one for two. Next one. If you lived in Las Vegas, what U.S. state would you say you lived in? Uh, Nevada. You got it. Yeah, Nevada. that's how they pronounce it, right? Yes, they not say Nevada. Nevada, not Nevada. You got yeah. it. We are on to the pronunciation section nice. of our quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Next one, Kyle. If you lived in the capital city of Idaho, where would you say you lived? Oh, is this there one's a also a way? state capitals quiz? <laughs> is, uh, is the capital Boise? Not if you live there. <laughs> but it's not pronounced that way. It is, is it not. pronounced Boise? <laughs> no, it is pronounced Boise. Oh, with, a, with an unvoiced s. Oh, yeah, interesting. That I did not know until I was researching this episode. Last one, Kyle. What if my mm. last one was Newark? How bad would that have been? I mean, it would have been great because I would have gotten a point. And these are redeemable, right? These points? Yes, the, you can cash these in. If you collect enough, you can get the um, inflatable guitar. <laughs> Perfect, Emily. All right, last one. If you lived in a certain city in Virginia, the name of which means good view in Spanish, where might you say you lived? I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, it's it's a name of a lot of cities and towns in America and probably other countries as well. But this in particular, in Virginia, they pronounce it a crazy way. Is the spelling the important? I mean, is the pronunciation the, the yes. important part? Yes. Can you spell it out for me? Yes, it is B-U-E-N-A space V-I-S-T-A. Oh, my God. It's not pronounced Buena Vista? Buena not in Virginia Vista? and not in Buen Colorado. Ca can I can I guess what other pronunciations there might be? You can. Buena Vista? No, that would be at least a, a solid <laughs> attempt. This is worse. <laughs> okay, give it to me. Buena Vista. What? <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> yes. In Virginia and in Colorado, they both pronounce it Buena Vista. Oh my God. Horrendous. <laughs> I listen, 
I don't want to bring this back around to a recent tragedy, but that's like when East Palestine was in the news recently. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it's crazy. I'm really gobsmacked. Why is the town even named that if they can't pronounce it right? It's <laughs> a great question. <laughs> did did one Spanish explorer pass through, name the town, and then say good luck? <laughs> He Wait, just but how wrote do you, it down and yeah, said, how do you pronounce this? I don't know. Figure it out. You got. You can't go wrong. It's all phonetic. It's perfect. It's, he just put like the kerning was off, so there was a little gap between the the e yeah. and the n. So they you, were like, oh, Vista. B-U-E is bu. Wow, Emily <laughs> kind of barreled yeah. to a, a stunning conclusion here. I'm glad. Thank you so much for providing me with some new shibboleths so I can fit in. Yeah, now you can you can travel the continent. Yeah, incognito, hopefully. Absolutely. And now you at home can use these shibboleths in your daily lives. And if you liked learning about these shibboleths, remember that you can find Butter No Parsnips on social media, on Facebook and on Instagram at Butter No Parsnips Podcast. And if you like today's episode, consider giving us a five-star rating or review wherever you heard us. And if you really like today's episode, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. Donating $5 or more earns you a shout out either on social media or here on the podcast. Thanks so much to all of you. You help us make what we make. And with that, I've been Emily Moyers. And I've been Kyle Imperator. And this has been Butternoparsnips. Thank you for listening to Butter No Parsnips. Butter No Parsnips is produced by Seth Glicksman, Emily Moyers, and Kyle Imperator. The theme music and additional music is by Kyle Imperator. If you liked listening to this episode, subscribe and give us a good rating and or positive review wherever you heard it. If you really liked listening, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. There you can get bonus content you can't get anywhere else, like the monthly Patreon-exclusive podcast Buttered Parsnips. Your support means the world to us and encourages us to keep making more. Thanks in advance, and we'll be back next week.